sociology professor, Mark Regneris. So let's welcome Mark here. Mark, Mark has been, Mark has been here. We were trying to figure out uh, nine or ten times, uh, nine or ten years over the years. Uh, did I interrupt you, Megan? Were you okay? All right, I'm glad. Um, nine or ten uh, sessions for midweek in the city and Thursday in the city or whatever, but anyway, uh, mostly midweek in the city. And uh, way back in 2011, during your first visit here, it was fraught with controversy, or you were, you were knee-deep in controversy, um, and, but now you're not. Relatively. Sorry. Relatively. It's relatively <laughs> peaceful. No, he, Mark no was an early example of, of cancel culture in action. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Is that a fair yeah, statement? That, yeah. Yeah. He, um, as a person of deep faith, as a person of very deep faith, he uh, was pointing out some things that actually uh, comported with research and um, into families. And this was uh, a bridge too far for some mm -hmm. colleagues and cohorts yeah, at UT know, Austin. When, they, when Twitter started, but I was glad it wasn't really active. Oh my gosh. It was. <laughs> yeah. uh, Wow, and and thank the Lord for tenure. Also, yeah. uh, this is uh, this is a good thing as well. So, oh, and um, before we get started, um, yes. for Q and A, um, since we want to get through a lot with Mark, and um, we're oh, yeah. doing Slido tonight, so go to slido.com or slide.do, whatever yes. your preference is, um, and That's then the code Slido is do. <laughs> uh. and the code is M W I T C. Okay, yes. so submit questions that way. That way we can get to those at the end. And everybody get that Slido. Dot com, S-L-I-D-O, yeah. or sly dot do. M, -W M as in Megan, M-W-I-T-C. Yes, and go to, you'll see Midweek of the City and, <laughs> and once you type that code in. Yeah. Um, Mark Regneris has been a professor of sociology at UT Austin for how, how long? 20 years. 20 years. Okay, and, and let me tell you. This isn't just somebody who does this for a hobby. This is a bona fide expert in um, what people actually do. Not what they say they do, but what they do. This is, this is what sociologists do, right? They, they yeah, study what people do actually do. Things, but uh, I'm, I've always been more concerned about what people do than what they say they do. Because okay. people say they do lots of things. <laughs> uh, yes, they do. Or have, everybody has attitudes about this, that, and the next thing. But like, well, what do you do? Yeah. Right? That's a little bit more of interest to me. I'm not really sure why, but yeah. uh, it always has been. And it, it largely has, or a, a lot of it has centered around the way men and women interact, correct? Mm -hmm. this is well, at least for the last uh, 12, 13 years, okay. something like that. No, probably more like 15 years. Yeah, okay. 15 years. Okay. Well, um, what led you, Mark, to uh, the study of the way, in, in the first place, what sure. led you to that, yeah. the, the way men and women interact. Right. Uh, you're, the subtitle of a book way back when was uh, how uh, people meet, mate, and think about marrying. Yeah. Uh, premarital sex in America. Right. That, yep. was the, that was the name of the... I always think of, of uh, Super Tramp's album Breakfast in America, and you, you were like... <laughs> Premarital sex in America. Uh, when I was in high school, I would have been very intrigued by that title for sure. Um, 
And so how, how people meet, mate, and think about marrying, what led you to, to that kind of interest in the first place? Uh, that interest started way back in graduate school. It was very utilitarian at the beginning. I was, uh, you know, you're a PhD student trying to publish or perish and get a job <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. So I connected religious influences to like adolescent delinquency. There was a big data set we were working on at the University of North Carolina. And I thought, ah, crime and delinquency, there's always jobs in that. Um, so I could always get one of those. Right. So let's be utilitarian about it. But I didn't really like the subject. I did a dissertation on it. But then I kept sticking with that data as it aged. And then I yeah. started asking questions about relationship behavior, religious influences on relationship behavior. While they were still adolescents, 13 to 18 years old, um, my advisor at the time was working on the same topic. And then the data just aged, you know, into young adulthood and then into the 30s. So, and I've always okay, uh, yeah. aged versus who I'm studying. But uh, so I started that back in probably 2002, 2003, and just kind of stuck with it. And then, you know, uh, kind of got away from the religious influences for a while just because I had had written that book, and I was less interested in that and more interested uh -huh. in just mapping what people are doing, you know, right. in terms of uh, uh, adolescents and young adults. And then I kind of came back around in this this last book from what? The Future 20, of Christian Marriage. That came out later in 2020. Uh -huh. like the absolute worst time to publish a book. Right. And we were in front of an election, and everybody was talking about COVID, and they wanted, didn't want to hear anything else. So, right. So far, it's... Uh, yeah, it's flat on a pancake in terms of sales, which is too bad because I really well, liked I, the book. Well, I can imagine that because, you know, it was like people were, when people did talk about marriage, they were talking about how hard the pandemic was on marriage and all that, yeah. and then you come up with this future Some, of Christian yeah. marriage. People, I mean, the pandemic has been a different experience for lots of people in terms of bipolar. I mean, some people really thrived in it and leaned on their marriages and found their marriages could be leaned on, and other people, that didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting because I was going to ask you that very thing uh, later. Well, now we've already. Now we've about. already. Okay, onward. Um, okay, so, so. Uh, yeah. So it seems like when we're getting into, and I know you've studied, you know, dating, marriage, sex, all of these things. So when we're talking about dating specifically, um, you might just need to take it out of the stand. Um, it seems like the rules keep changing, right? And you the talk rules? about the rules, rules. Well, both the rules and the yeah. rules, and rules. they so both keep. Really rules. Yeah, the norms today. of dating. So, <laughs> they keep changing. And so how would you describe <clears throat> our dating culture now, um, and especially compared to that yeah. of our parents or the generation um, before us? Compared to your parents, and I, I'd even probably push it back a little bit further because, mm -hmm. you're, you're, I mean, like maybe my parents' generation in yeah. some ways, people who are now in their 70s, because uh, people who got married and had children like in the, the uh, 80s and 90s, mm -hmm. That, you know, that, they're, they're probably closer to, you know, 20 and 30-somethings yeah. now than, uh, like, my parents' generation. So, but I would say it's pretty schizophrenic in terms of uh, how, how we think about, like, dating norms or rules. And they're not really rules. It's just sort of, you know, observe what people do and try to mimic it. Um, so, you know, if, if I look back at my parents and grandparents era, um, we're pretty far removed from that kind of, of uh, norm. 
right? Marrying in your early to mid 20s. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but like there's some things that have been lost. Mm -hmm. Not because those things don't happen, they still happen. But normatively, it is not the way it is anymore. I mean, the, the median age is right around 30 now. Um, but also, as that median age rises, fewer people in general marry at all, mm -hmm. right? So we're looking at, you know, it used to be 10% of the population didn't, and now I think the, the pro demographic projection for um, somebody who's uh, 20 is about two-thirds of them will marry, mm -hmm. which is, you know, dramatically less than 90%, yeah. right? So, yeah. you know, if they have children, children out of wedlock, uh, and, and, you know, and so, it's created this kind of expectations for marriage that are probably uh, more therapeutic than our, my grandparents yeah. understood the institution to be. And so we can say in some ways, well, we will like our marriages more today than our grandparents did. And I think that's fair to say, but fewer of us will marry quicker to exit. And um, we think about it in quite different terms than we used to. And we're, we're much more demanding of it, mm -hmm. right? Of, of marriage itself? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I do want to back up just a little bit before the marriage um, and pick up on something you said, Megan, and whether you call it, I guess it's dating norms rather than rules or whatever, although it certainly seemed like rules when I was... Might have been rules uh, back, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. right, exactly. How does... How does dating look different, dating itself? Yeah, mm -hmm. right. So um, it depends on the, the age in some ways. So okay. if, you, if you, you can focus on, like my son just finished college and uh, he, I, I didn't, as I was telling you, I didn't expect him to, to fall in love with anybody because he was kind of openly disparaging of the, the idea. And then all of a sudden it happened his senior year uh, when he was not expecting it. But, okay, know, and that right there, I, some people go, with some people it just happens, it seems to, yeah. and other people, right. I, I, I can't get a date, you know, to save my life. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. So what? I mean, one can't force dating, right? I mean, like, this is where somebody else asks somebody to go on a date. I mean, I think there's, there's a movement towards, hey, we should go out. I mean, women don't really like to ask men out, but they have largely gotten over that to some extent because they feel like, if I don't do something like that, yeah. nothing may happen. Right. But that's not their preference, generally speaking. Yeah. They much yeah. prefer to be asked. Um, so, and in his case, you know, he had some grievances with his, uh, the, the university's uh, student side of administration. And this, woman, this young woman was an, a uh, residence hall assistant, right? Uh -huh. So it's like, this would be bad news un under normal circumstances. Right. But they both had a common enemy, and they bonded over that. Uh, and then found out they had other things in interest. Now, I'll tell you one thing that's intrigued me that I never saw coming. I don't know if it's good. Um, I, since I just never thought about it. So they're long distance. She's in Dallas. He's in Austin with us. Um, they are, uh, you know, they're on... Like once he's out of work, he comes home. Like she's on the the video when he gets home uh, on the way home. When he gets home, sometimes you say, "Hey, mind if she joins us for dinner?" I'm like, "Okay, fine, I guess." You know, <laughs> pops oh. on the dinner table virtually. Yeah. yeah, 
Uh, so, you know, and I'm thinking, I grew up in an era where uh, long distance phone calls cost significant yeah, money. Exactly. And you had <laughs> and, to go you know, be if quiet there was a on distance, long distance. You would uh, call yeah. every couple days for maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whatever your parents let you. So I'm like, wow, this is such a different environment. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I would have done it that way. Um, but I just didn't expect it. And so then there it was. And I'm like, I, do other people do this? I really don't know because I'm not really studying 20-somethings oh, at the moment. Okay, all right. Uh, so it's, uh, the, as you say, that the norms or, I don't know the rules, but there are norms that are changing. And I don't know if that's normative, but you know, it makes me feel guilty when I go to town. Like, I'm, I don't get done with meetings and then stick my wife on. on <laughs> <laughs> You know, honey, I'm gonna have dinner. Let's sit. <laughs> yeah, it just—I I don't think of it, and I'm, I'm almost like, "You're okay with that, aren't you, honey?" It's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's off." <laughs> so that has been a revelation to, to me, just watching him. But um, it's kind of unusual that he—it's uh, sort of a dating culture at the, the university they go to, small liberal arts school in Dallas. But my daughter's about to graduate from there, and she felt like you know, she hasn't. She's gone on a handful of dates. I mean, I like, she had a brief boyfriend last year. I kind of liked him. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, it, she's like, no, this is not going to work. So, okay, fine. Um, but she has been disappointed in uh, sort of the, the low level of interest that she has discerned from men. And I think, you know, it's, it's frustrating to me. I mean, she's a likable kid. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I'm not really worried about her. I mean, she, um, but... It's just, uh, so some people experience that and other people don't, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not, it, once upon a time you could more say, well, you know, this, this is a marketable person in the dating market. Like, I think there's a ton of very marketable people in the dating market who just aren't getting asked out or aren't asking people out, mm -hmm. right? So it, it's kind of confusing to me um, at least, you know, in, in watching the sort of 20-somethings generation of, of, of this, I think it changes a little bit the domain, as you get older. Um, some of the things that matter more can shift, but also sort of, uh, you know, the speed with which you get married can, can, the pace can quicken because you're like, well, you know, what are we waiting for? At the same time, um, some of the, you know, opportunities aren't necessarily common. And if you think about the, the, the marriage market as something that once people get off, they stay off, which is actually not that true, but like in some way, that it gets slimmer over time. So one should kind of expect um, mathematically for it to be a, a slower process as time, as time goes. goes by. Okay. Yeah. And a more uneven process. Because yeah. like, you know, it's not about just half of the people are off the market. It's probably more than half. Um, and, you know, it, it's just not sort of a random process. The 20s and 30s are going to look different on the, 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 on the mating market. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. And anyway, a lot of, observation. Yeah, and a lot of your work, you talk about marriage or dating and these things in kind of economics terms, right? The market or the economics of these things. And you wrote a book, um, it was just before this one, right? Cheap yeah, Sex, right. Um, that was on my desk for a long time and people kept giving me... <laughs> All these looks, but um, it was a great book, and <laughs> and um, you talk about the idea of cheap sex mm -hmm. 
um, as opposed to, I guess, the opposite would be expensive sex. Yeah. And you, <laughs> and you boil that down to, to kind of three things, right? So you say um, cheap sex is facilitated by birth control and the availability of it, pornography, and online dating. Right. And that those is, are kind the, of the three. It does, it's not boiled down to that, but uh -huh. like those are three things that are driving the price of sex down. Okay. And, and, and what, explain what, what cheap yeah, sex is. Yeah, what do you mean right? by that? What, yeah. what is I mean, this the, cheap sex? It's the ease of sexual access. Okay, and ease of sexual access. partnered okay. sexual access to a real person. But, you know, insofar as pornography uh, more closely mimics real sex, it becomes, you know, a, a, a closer proxy to the real thing, which that too sort of brings the price of sex down because like, it, it takes some share of people completely off the market, disproportionate numbers of women and men off because the market. Because they're just engaging in pornography use yeah, and, and, and not it, really know, dating or whatever. Yeah, in some ways, right? Yeah, so good enough. Okay. When, if you would say, I mean, I, I, in the book I go to like, well, how many men are off the market because of this? And I, you know, it's a rough estimate. And you're like, well, how are you going to measure that? And I can tell you how I did it, but like, uh, I, I think I came up with somewhere between nine and fifteen percent, or something mm -hmm. of men. And you think, well, that's that's still a small number, but like you take say ten percent of men out of the market, you have altered it demonstrably, powerfully, um, very significantly, because it's like, well, yeah, nine to ten. What's the I mean, nine to ten is a, in terms of sex ratios is, is kind of a big deal, yeah. right? So if you look at the um, the prison population uh, among African-Americans, especially men, um, roughly one in 10 is somewhere in the, um, you know, the judicial system. I mean, in some ways off of that market. I mean, I say, well, maybe they weren't marketable in the first place, but if you take people off market, that gives power to whom? Not to the women. It gives power to the remaining men in that community, right? And then that gives power to men to operate the so the mating market and the marriage market in ways they see as working for them, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. So whenever you've got a, a, a skewed sex ratio in your community, one way or the other, you're going to have very different kind of dating and marriage dynamics. So the, the fewer mm -hmm. men there are, the more the center of power sexual power shifts the, to the men. Them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the other way around, uh, you know, there's more... Um, Fewer women in in, in the community, or um, you know, in you know, a workplace or something like that. Um, men just sort of the power seems to slide towards the women. And and you we can see, see the sort of micro kind of ways, like uh, in classes where there's a lot fewer women than men. The men just sort of wind up tacitly competing for the women's attention, even if it's not really a dating thing. It's right, like, right, it just sure. Happens. Yeah, so, and I, it seems to me that I, I have heard something about societies. In fact, it, it might have been in some parts of China, there's a, there's a dearth of mm -hmm. women, and which leaves young men without marriageable partners, right. and it is yeah. not a happy it's a situation. Major problem. Yeah. Major and problem. So, uh, with, uh, then you related get, to crime and, and right. then you get a, all kinds such, of. Such a pronounced uh, oversupply of men that you have uh, kidnapping problems and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they've raised, well, an, they've this raised is, an army that this could is, stomp on this Taiwan is, in a heartbeat and leave no widows behind. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, we see this in the Bible, too. Uh, in Judges, there's that scene that they go and kidnap women 
because right. there's no marriageable women for the, these people in the tribe of Benjamin. Right. And their fathers and brothers are complaining, and they yeah. say, be quiet. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, our tribe is going to disappear from Israel, Israel if you make a big fuss about this. I mean, wow, that that's happening now, even. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So these kinds of things, they, these changes start small, but if they're like sustained, you know, demographic stuff is just a, a powerful thing that doesn't go away. It's quiet. Yeah. It doesn't move people. It doesn't typically move politicians much. And yet, like, you wait 20, 30 years, and you've got a, a big issue, big problem. And, and the, those problems are what? Uh, so, you know, in the, in the case of sort of where you have disparate sex ratios, um, usually it's in favor of men because of uh, sex-selective abortion, right? So you've already got a problem with that, and then you have a problem with too many men in your community. So, so abortion impacts this uh, disproportionately oh, it's between the sexes. It's driven by abortion. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's sobering. Yeah. Hmm. So there are more men, there are more female babies that are victims of abortion. Yeah, at least in other countries. I'm not entirely sure about the United States. Okay, okay. Uh, it, it, is, it is more of a, like, where you have a cultural preference for men. Uh, yeah. And that is in some parts of Asia, South Asia, Far East Asia. Yeah. Okay, uh, and you mentioned online dating too. Yeah. In that, yeah. No, in terms uh, of the things that kind of... That drive down the price of yeah. sex. Yeah. Right. So how does that work with uh, online dating? Um, and, and, and does that mean it's people, bad? That, well, that, yeah, you know, I'd say it is in the historical sense, it is not ideal. It is kind of a, um, we have created, be, partly because we could, but partly as a, res, a perceived need and demand for it. Right. right. But that perceived need and demand has kind of morphed into a uh, sort of a norm, right? And so... So people no longer spend like the college years not you know, thinking like, ah, this would be a good time to meet somebody, thinking, wow, how, when am I going to be in a, a, a pool of potential mates like this ever again? You won't be in reality, but you can be virtually now, right? Okay. So I mean, this yeah. is why people would always uh, say, well, where are you going to find your spouse once you're done with college or if you didn't go to college? You know, um, church. Is what your parents would probably right, prefer. Right. A bar is where many people have met. Right. Where you, where there is mixing of, of the sexes. Right. So now that mixing happens online, but it's like think about if even if it happens in a bar or in church, like there are sort of you get to know somebody a little bit face to face. Yeah. Right? And in church, you just often those like well, it's a recommendation by somebody else. So like somebody's vouching for them. Right. And say I'd like to introduce you to somebody. Um, so there's a mediator, a human mediator, who's already kind of thought through the possibilities here. Right, right. right? Whereas now we sort of trust this algorithm to uh, link us to people. Like, how have they built the algorithm? We have no idea, right? I mean, they build it in the ways they want to build it, right? So eHarmony, which started all this, hoping to sort of boost marriage. eHarmony, I haven't even heard eHarmony in forever, but <laughs> they're, I guess I mean, they're the originators of yeah, this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> She no said it's because you're married. Oh, no. I mean, I, I have heard. Anyway. I believe uh, they're still in business. I, I guess. I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, 
so part of that algorithm is like they, they asked you a series of questions and yeah. then they work hard at trying to link you to somebody who f they think fits, right? Yeah. And I think it's noble in terms of how they go about it. Other companies, um, you know, I forget what is, is it, Plenty of Fish or something, where you can just answer a bajillion questions. Plenty right? of Fish, that's the name of the... Kettle okay. of Fish. Kettle of... Oh, <laughs> I forget. What a fine kettle Plenty of Fish. fish. <laughs> okay. So uh, there are some companies who, who do this. But if you take a... If you just back up and say, well, I don't, I don't like that site, but I like that site. They're all kind of run the same way, and they rely on similar human impulses, which is to circulate through people quickly, right? Okay, okay. Um, and kind of evaluate them based on physical attraction and sort of indicators of um, maybe uh, status of some sort, right? Okay. And does he look like a nice guy or something right, like that, right? Right, right. So these things are fostering this sort of penchant for efficiency, right? But people aren't really meant to kind of go through people quickly. Right? Yes, I mean, that's, yes. That's not really how we work well, right? But it's how we have shifted towards working well. So I guess at its worst, it could be sort of like, I have met all your criteria, you know, <laughs> instead of just an organic kind of blossoming into something. Well, it's, you know, we're trusting something blind, an algorithm, rather than trusting human persons to, to mediate for us. Now, the, plenty of people don't want to do that, right? So, yeah. uh, but it, there was once upon a time when parents and cousins and friends felt obliged to do it and did do this, uh, if just out of worry for you or something like right. that. Right. Um, <laughs> but now we just sort of like, we've, we've kind of backed off of that. There's lots of uh, moving around, geographic mobility. It's like, well, I can't introduce you to somebody if you move to Chicago, right? I mean, so, yeah, yeah. so there's a lot of mobility, and what so, do you do in that but, situation? Yeah, and I was going to say, people would say, well, what do you expect me to do? Yeah, because right. I, I, I understand. And I have, I have friends, too, and you probably do, that, mm -hmm. that have met online and yeah. have married, yep. and it it's all work. cool. And yet, it's like, it works in spite of its underlying logic. Okay, basically. okay. It's sort of uh, treating people as objects. It really kind of, we kind of have to do that in order to make it work. So how does that drive down the price of sex? What, what does um, that mean? It makes with us think about online a, a, it privileges sort of sexual attractiveness or at least uh, okay. physical attractiveness. Um, men and women may approach these things a little bit differently. Uh, but it sort of it also makes us think about like, there's always another option, right? There's other options out there. So I, I gave a story in the book, I forget which book it was where um, you know, I met my wife in college, 1989, and I, I didn't have any other options. You know, there's this one girl who kind of liked me, but like I'd started seeing my wife, and, and the, um, any problems that arose between me and her, and plenty did then, plenty still do today, right? Yeah. So I, 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 but they were worth solving because, well, I wanted to be in a relationship and there was no other options. Yeah, and see, I don't think... very different. The, and and, and like, the way you know, you're talking about this is not the way that people want to admit that, that this is a good way to talk about it. Because you, you're saying to us right here that your wife, you, you felt like you were out of options. And that doesn't sound very romantic. <laughs> that doesn't sound very romantic. But, but there is something to that, Mark, is what I'm saying. There, That's a valuable know, statement. A, I, I, I matched my best friend in Austin to his wife, who was Baptist, 
Yeah. Um, that's worked out great. Can't be all bad, or maybe maybe you can. So, uh, so uh, you know, and I and and now where was I going? With oh, I don't know. Uh, oh, you, matched you matched your, your best friend. Uh, it, it, I asked you about you were out of options. You you said okay. Uh, yes, yeah. thanks. So he was on uh, Match.com prior to this, and it's like, so no sooner had he dropped his previous girlfriend, who I thought that was that was a good idea. It wasn't a good fit, spiritually, okay. etc. And you know, and, and he admitted like, okay, there were times when I'd come back from a date and I'd go on Match and see what else was out there. I'm like, I think that's got to be really difficult. It's like, so I think I back, you know, rewound to like. If I had an argument with my wife in college, and if and if there was some electronic platform where I could look at people who say they wanted to talk yeah, to me, yeah, I would mess with my head seriously. Right, like, I'd probably like, I am. Yeah, this is too much work. We're done with this. Yeah, right? I'm gonna see what else is out there. That's just the reality. Okay, so there's okay. there's no way around it if you are on that platform, and so many people are. So it right. gives us incentive to not work things out in an intimate relationship. It does, and it also changes, okay. like, you know, the, the, your initial upfront is like, what does this person look like, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, every once in a while, you, like, you hear people's voices, and you wonder what they look like, and you imagine things that may completely not be true. Right. Like, but there's more to a person than what they look like, and they will invariably age. Well, right? and also, the way that you perceive somebody can change. Uh, in a face-to-face, -face ongoing, you know, uh, in a month or in six months, the the way yes. that you perceive that person physically Plus, can things, change maybe for the better. As a relationship develops, things will change. Yeah. Right? So you think yeah. about your wife, I think about my wife. Like, right. There are traits in them that, you know, I knew existed when I was 22, 23, but I downplayed. Sure. And now I think that's, that's the most important trait, and I was overlooking it. Yeah. I'm so lucky. Absolutely. Right? Same here. You know? Yeah. So it, it, swipe right, swipe left. It doesn't matter if you, you know, do it, bumble, give women the option. To do something. It's still going to ultimately function. It all works the same, the same way. way right? yeah, it just basically. means they, can, they don't have to start out rejecting a bunch of people, right? Yeah. Yeah. They still have to eventually. 